Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Lolly Carter Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, at Carter Critiques on Twitter and Instagram. You know me. Been holding it down. Now, Dale, unfortunately, is in the middle of a really heavy storm out in Washington County, so was not able to get up with him on the Zooms. But don't worry. I got y'all. He hey, he carried us last Thursday on the, or last weekend on the show. I got you today. So. We're going to lead this show off. Now, I know Dayon on his daily shot is talking about Mason Rudolph. Go listen to him for that. That's a good, he always does a great job with those. But I want to talk to y'all about why I wrote my Carter's Classroom this week. Now, if you haven't read our Carter's Classroom, what you doing? Carter's Classroom is the weekly feature I do where I break down film on your Pittsburgh Steelers, showing you X's and O's, showing you technique, showing you positioning, and where a player is doing well, where they can do better. And I focused on Quincy Roche. Because one of the storylines this year for the Steelers will be, can they find rotational depth at edge rusher? That is so important to what this defense needs to be in 2021. Now, For every reason, Steelers fans, you have all the reason to be excited about T.J. Watt doing what he's done for the last four years. Just crush people and get better at crushing people. And you have every reason to be excited about Alex Highsmith, who graded very well when you looked at him individual performance-wise. and He had some rookie mistakes, but by and large, this is a guy with multiple pass rush moves. This is a guy with with good get-off that's working on getting a better get-off. This is a guy who looks like he can stuff the run and rush the passer. He has those tools in his bag. But you need more than two. That's just how it works in today's NFL. Especially with how much offense and offensive firepower there is around this league. (laughs) We'll talk about that in the second segment. Because that, of course... Got a little bit more crazier on the Steelers' schedule. But again, we'll talk about that in the second segment. But when you look at this roster, I broke down Quincy Roche and how, look, this guy, he has decent footwork. He has decent hand technique. 
he seems to know how to counter different things. And if he doesn't at least know how to counter counter different moves, he at least has the ability to counter things in his tool bag. Now, if you go read Carter's Classroom, which you can if you're a subscriber to DK Pittsburgh Sports, and if you're not, you better get on it. You're missing out on a lot of great content. Don't forget we're doing a Father's Day and graduation uh, sale this month, so check us out on that. You can get you can get our, our our great subscription at a great discount. But when you look at Quincy Roche and you look at what he did at Miami and what he did at Temple, now I, I'm not gonna sell you some pie in the sky here and think like, oh yeah, they're great. He's just gonna line up and start. No, 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 no. It's not that simple. This guy still needs to improve his get off. He still needs to improve being consistent with his hands. But when he gets in his element or at least when he got in his element in Miami, he was a wrecking ball. He would force offensive tackles to have to consider multiple moves, and if you weren't proficient, if you were a little lazy on a play because you're tired, or you're not sure about where you're at or what your responsibility is as an offensive tackle, he would take advantage of that. Now, that happens, of course, a lot more in college than it does in the NFL, but it still does happen in the NFL. Heck, I think some of the teams are counting on it to happen for the Steelers' offensive line. But you're not counting on Cassius Marsh to be that guy. Now, And I've advocated all across DKPittsburghSports.com for, for months. they got to get another edge guy. Even when they drafted Quincy Rose, I'm like, they need another one. Marsh is the guy that you want as your fifth option. Anthony Ciccolo, like, hey, you line up on you line up for special teams, you line up when it's an emergency, but not be the first guy off the bench. And like to be fair with the playoff game, that was an emergency. T.J. Watt was healthy, but Bud Dupree and Alex Highsmith went down. That's different. But now Alex Highsmith is your starter. And you also know that you need this help. Now, to be fair to Cassius Marsh, he got there late in the season, barely had time to practice. And this year, he has a whole year to work within the system. So he can be a little bit better. But still, you want a guy like a Trent Murphy, a Justin Houston. They wanted Ryan Kerrigan, but he signed with the Eagles. That's why I still think the Steelers should go after that veteran edge rusher. And that way, you'll have a little bit of buffer for Quincy Roche to grow into his role as a backup edge rusher. To be honest, he shares a lot of young qualities that Alex Highsmith did coming out of Charlotte. If, and I broke this down in my Carter's classroom when they drafted Highsmith. If you go back and look at that Clemson tape, Dabo Sweeney was saying, you know, before and after the game, like, that was the one guy we wanted to stop. And he still caused problems getting after Trevor Lawrence. Now, granted, of course, Clemson utterly destroyed Alex Highsmith's team, but... That's besides the point. He individually did a solid job. And that's why the Steelers picked him in the third round. Now, Roche's in a different spot. He, you know, he went to Temple, blew it up for a year, and then fell off when he went to Miami, transferred to Miami. Did well, but four and a half sacks after he had like a 13-sack season. Yeah, it's going to drop you down. And that's why he went to the sixth round. He also didn't have the best uh, pro day. But pro days don't always mean much. 
it does mean much when it shows that you're able to adjust to different techniques, when you're able to work on your craft and improve the way that you attack people. And ultimately, it comes down to how much you want it. There's plenty of guys who come in with a lot of explosiveness, a lot of get-off, um, all the strength upper body or all the strength lower body, where they're really fast, and they just don't care to learn technique. And they, and they don't end up working out. You know, Tackers McKinley, a guy the Browns picked up, never refined his technique. Looked exciting, had a decent combine, pfft, nothing. But rotational depth to this team, when they're getting down to the nitty-gritty, when they're playing the Browns or the Ravens or the Chiefs or the Titans or any of those teams, and it's coming down to the wire and you need, you, you need throughout those games, you need times for T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith to get breathers. You need them to catch their breath so that when the fourth quarter comes, they're fresh. They're firing off the ball. They're giving those offensive tackles all hell. But you can't do that if you're not confident in your backups. And you're not confident in your backups if it's Cassius Marsh and a six-round draft pick rookie. Now, maybe, again, maybe Quincy Roche grows into his role. Like Alex Highsmith did. And you were comfortable with him being that backup last year. But it would be nice to have some insurance. But still, check out my Carter's class. You might like what you see out of Quincy Roche. Both against the run and the pass. He shows the tools. Now it's just about learning how to use them consistently at the professional level. They're going to need a lot of consistency this year on defense. Micah Fitzpatrick, of course, said, if it ain't broke, don't fix it in his Tuesday availability after OTAs. With all that being said, the offenses that they're about to face this year just got a wee bit harder over the weekend with the big trade news of Julio Jones to the Titans. I'm going to go through all the passing attacks that they face and break down where I think the most dangerous ones will be and where the less dangerous ones will be. But first, we got to take a quick break, talk to our sponsors, we'll be right back. With Game Pass. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. All 
Welcome back to the Lolly Carter Steelers podcast here on DKPittsburghSports.com. I'm your host, Chris Carter, again, running the show solo today. Remember, if you're not subscribed to our podcast, you can get them anywhere for free on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or like I said, anywhere podcasts are hosted. Remember to rate us, rate us five stars, leave us a positive comment. That stuff really helps out the platform, not just the Lolly Carter Steelers podcast, but the H2P podcast for all you Pitt fans, the We Are podcast for all you Penn State fans, the 66 to 87 podcast for all you Penns fans, the podcast to be named later for all you Pirates fans, and of course, if you're just loving all Pittsburgh things, the Daily Shot podcasts, which which air on all three professional teams every day, Monday through Friday, hosted by our fearless leader, Dayan Kovacevic. Now. Back to the task at hand. So, like I said, I was I wanted to talk to you guys about the passing offenses that the Steelers are going to face. Because, man, they're good. And it got worse over the weekend for the Steelers when the Titans acquired Julio Jones. Now, not that Julio Jones is unstoppable. He's very stoppable. We've seen it over the years. I mean, he's 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 an extreme talent, but he's had his his tough time. He's had a hard time getting to the end zone. But now he joins an offense. It's a lot more complete than what he's played with in recent years. However, you feel about Matt Ryan, Ryan Tannehill, you cannot ignore the threat that AJ Brown brings on the other side of the field, and the serious threat that is Derrick Henry in that backfield. You just can't ignore it. And before it was like, hey, you know, like we, we we saw last year when the Steelers were playing them, they focused on taking away Derrick Henry. A.J. Brown broke off like a 70-yard touchdown in the second half that got the Titans right back in the mix. Now you got to deal with two of those guys. But where do the Titans rank on my preseason best passing offenses the Steelers going to face? Because they got to face a bunch of them. So this segment is going to be me ranking those teams. And primarily their passing attack. And it's a little awkward because part of their passing attack is the ability to play off the run. But it's more so how much do you actually fear the quarterback and his targets and how they use those targets. So, let's start from the bottom. And then we'll get here. Bottom of the list, let's just chop off the easy ones. Broncos, please. Drew Locke ain't, ain't, ain't proved nothing yet. Lions, sorry, Jared Goff, I don't care. Now, Bears, Justin Fields may do something, and Allen Robinson's still there, but I got to see it first. As much as I'm a big Justin Fields guy, it's the Bears. I've seen way too many times that's been screwed up. Then I put the Raiders with Derek Carr. Sorry, I'm not a Derek Carr guy. Then we start to get a little bit interesting. That's where I put the Ravens, right above the, the, uh, the Raiders. Now, some people are going to say, well, wait a minute. Lamar Jackson shouldn't get any credit. Eh. Yes, his running the ball is what makes him good, but it's also what makes the passing game good there, too. You put, you flop any of those quarterbacks I just named. Jared Goff. Well, maybe Justin Fields. we got to see how he plays in the NFL. But Jared Goff, Drew Locke, Derek Carr, even some of these other guys that I'm about to name. Kirk Cousins. And, you know, you you, you put any of those guys in that offense. They ain't doing, they, they ain't getting it done. Lamar Jackson does carry the Ravens. But like I said, we're talking about passing offenses. That's why I didn't rank him t- towards the top, even though he's an NFL MVP. I- I'm I'm much higher on Lamar Jackson than most people in Pittsburgh. But 
That's where we go up. And you get the Vikings. Can't ignore Kirk Cousins and his connection to Jefferson and what they're putting together there in Minnesota. That's going to be a challenge. Then that's where I have the Browns. Now, I'm not a big Baker Mayfield guy, but you can't ignore Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham Jr., and what is opened up by that run game and how they use it. And also, the fact that they work some of the running backs into the passing game. Kareem Hunt, more of a catching back. Screen game is important. And then right above them, I put the Bengals. Now, maybe I'm being a little much here by putting the Bengals above the Browns as far as passing offenses. But I like Joe Burrow's ability to process the field much better than Baker Mayfield's already. And, (laughs) I mean, they got Jamar Chase and Tyler Boyd and all these receiving talents. I'm sorry, I gotta go with that Bengals Bengals team. Those, Those guys scare me a little bit more than what the Browns' passing offense does. But okay. Here's where it starts to get interesting. Because of the Steelers, what? 14 opponents, because, you know, they played three division opponents twice, so of 17 games, they'll play 14 teams. Like I said, I have the Broncos at 14, the Lions at 13, the Bears at 12, the Raiders at 11, the Ravens at 10, the Vikings at 19, or excuse me, the Vikings at 9, the Browns at 8, the Bengals at 7. I have the Chargers at 6, and I know... That may be a little jump in the gun on Justin Herbert, but man, he looks good. And they got Keenan Allen. And then they went and got Rashawn Slater to protect Justin Herbert. And they still got Mike Williams. I see that as being a tough offense to stop if they're humming. If they're humming. Doesn't mean they definitely will be. But then we start to break into the top five. The nitty gritty, these are going to be the most interesting part of this. At number five, I got to go with Russell Wilson. Dangerous. And they got DK Metcalf over there doing the doggone thing. What's crazy is for years the Steelers like wouldn't allow the Seahawks to score. They shut them out in back to back appearances after Super Bowl forty. And then ever since Russell Wilson's shown up, they can't beat the Seahawks. Though they were very close in the game that Ben Roethlisberger went down for the season-ending injury two years ago. They were also very close. I mean, the time before that when it was a shootout and Marcus Wheaton went off for like 200 yards. But point being, Danger Russ Wilson, he's always a problem when he's on the field. You have to hope that you're going to make him do, make him try to do too much as you saw kind of what happened over the past couple of years when he's fizzled out and had his rough games. It's kind of, it's kind of when the, when teams realize like they did with the Steelers, Hey, this team doesn't run the ball that well, or they don't trust their running backs enough. Let's get after it. Number four, passing offense. I go with the Buffalo bills. Now I know, I know, I know Josh Allen's a bad man. And I'll tell you years ago, I was sitting in a bar in Toledo with our own Dale Lolly, who again can't be here because of technical issues because we have storms in Pittsburgh. But we were sitting in a bar. We were watching some college football before we headed out 
to cover the Lions game the next day. Steelers-Lions, that was Juju's rookie year where he had the 97-yard touchdown the week his bike got stolen that whole night. Well, the day before, we were watching college football. We were talking about quarterbacks, and Dale Lally said, I really like Josh Allen. And here he is, lighting up the NFL. That's my number four passing offense. It would be higher if you had more than Stephon Diggs. And he has more, but Stephon Diggs is his primary weapon. I dig it. But these other passing tacks are just a little bit better. And number three, that's where I have the Tennessee Titans. That's where I figure them in. Because Ryan Tannehill has found his groove. And like Baker Mayfield, and I, I think he's better than Baker Mayfield, but like Baker Mayfield, he does get a lot of help from that strong running game with Derrick Henry. But he uses it smartly. And now he's got two major threats. I can't express to you how much of a problem A.J. Brown is by himself. And now you got to deal with him and Julio Jones? That's going to be a battle. Number two, even though this is still up in the air, until I hear differently, the Packers are the number two passing offense they're going to face. Aaron Rodgers is still a bad man. And what's funny is, fun fact, him and Ben Roethlisberger haven't faced each other since Super Bowl forty-five. The two times that the Packers have faced the Steelers since then, Aaron Rodgers has been injured. So let's hope that he can be active. Because it'd be nice to see that game. Ben versus Aaron. One last time. I mean, when you think about it, the two times they've met in 2009 and Super Bowl 45, they were epic showdowns with huge plays on both sides. The Steelers pulling away with the last second touchdown throw to Mike Wallace. And the Packers just eking out the win in Super Bowl 45. It'd be great to watch that. But with Devontae Adams... And the assortment of weapons, and they lock down Aaron Jones. That passing offense is still number two until Aaron Rodgers officially isn't there yet. But of course, number one, y'all don't need me to say it, right? It's the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, what you what you gotta do? It's the Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey. I don't even gotta go through all the other guys. That that alone is a problem. And then you still got like ridiculous speedsters like Miko Hardman, who, by the way, you know, don't forget that time when Miko Hardman had like a 20 yard head start on Tyreek Hill, who had no one in front of him, and he was sprinting at full speed. And you see Tyreek Hill pass him and then wave at him to come on, let's go, let's get to the end zone. That's how fast Tyreek Hill is. But those are your rank, those are my rankings, excuse me, on the passing offenses Steelers will face. So in. In true order, from one down to the bottom, I got the Chiefs at number one, the Packers at number two, the Titans at three, the Bills at four, the Seahawks at five, the Chargers at six, the Bengals at seven, the Browns at eight, the the Vikings at nine, the Ravens at ten, the Raiders at eleven, the Bears at twelve, the Lions at thirteen, and the Broncos at fourteen. Now, how do the Steelers deal with that? Like I said, rotational edge death getting after the quarterback. That's important. But also important... It's having both your X-Factors in the middle of the field covering 
and taking away a lot of those threats. I wrote about that for my talking point on DKPittsburghSports.com. It's up this morning. Check it out. Carter's talking point. Double, double X factors. Critical for Steelers coverage plans. Because Mika Fitzpatrick spoke yesterday. And he talked about Devin Bush. And having him back can help prevent some of those matchup problems the Steelers have when they get a linebacker on a wide receiver. And everyone's like, oh, how did you, how did you get another linebacker and a wide receiver? That's so dumb. I'd never fall for that. Meanwhile, it's just it's what teams do. Bebala check his defense falls for it all the time. When you're undermanned, like the Steelers were in the middle of the field last year, and that's what Minka talked about, missing Spillane and Bush, you get guys that are out of position, and you got to play them there because if you don't, then the other team just runs right through that spot. But I wrote a whole talking point about it. Check it out. Because I think that that Devin Bush and Minka Fitzpatrick being on the field at the same time for the entire season will do a lot more wonders than most people are giving credit for. That's our show here on the Lolly Carter Steelers Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. I'm your host, Chris Carter. We will be back later this week with Dale and I teaming up for another great episode. But remember, stay tuned to DKPittsburghSports.com's podcast network. we got tons of shows on the Steelers, Pirates, Penguins, Pitt, Penn State, all the things Pittsburgh right here on the podcast network, which you can get for free on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and anywhere podcasts are hosted. Remember to rate us five stars with a positive comment. It helps out the entire platform. Thanks so much for listening. Stay tuned. we got a lot of great stuff coming your way on DKPittsburghSports.com.